Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, all right, all right, church. How you guys doing? You guys doing good? Come on, I know it's I know it's a little early, but hey, we're going into a new decade with a new decade of praise. How you guys doing? You guys doing good? I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I'm so glad that you guys have decided to prioritize, make some space to come and worship with us today, man. We're so, so glad that you're here. If it's your first time here, man, welcome. My name is Keith. My wife and I have the incredible privilege and honor of serving as the, the lead pastors here at Celebration Orlando, and we want to let you know we're just so, so glad that you're here. Also, we, can we do this, church? Can we show some love for everybody that's their first time or for those who are joining us on our podcast? We want to make sure that they know that they're welcome, even though they may not be in this room right now. Thank you guys so much for, for being with us. If you're ever in the Orlando area, we'll pray that you'll come and, and, and spend some time with us. We, we would certainly want to do our best to make you feel right at home. Listen, guys, I, I missed you last week. I, I, was, I was a little bit concerned. I was like, man, I wonder if our church is going to come back. Like, you know, we, we took last week off and we did church at home, and, and the engagement was amazing. I was blown away at just seeing all of you just kind of posting and sharing your stories of, of being together in your communities and, and watching the service. And I, I pray it was an encouragement, but it really was a, an encouragement for me, not, not just because of the, the, the experience, but just seeing you guys engage in it the way that you do. It really does fill my heart with so much joy to see that we have a church that is so driven and so connected to community. So I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys. I, I pray for you often and, and I'm grateful for, for just the way that, you are, that you're with us. Um, as we just saw a, a video from our, our global senior pastor, some of you may be wondering, okay, what, is, what does that mean? I thought you were the pastor. So let me, let me give you some context. Celebration Church is, we're a part of a, of a big family. Celebration Church was started over 20 years ago um, in Jacksonville, Florida, and now we have locations all around. We have location, obviously, here in Orlando, Fort Lauderdale. We have location in Amelia Island. We have um, location over in Zimbabwe. We have a location over in Thousand Hills, over in Amsterdam. We have locations that are all over and even add more to the family. So each area, each city has a lead pastor, which is the role that my wife and I serve in. But what I love is when we have these opportunities where we can all kind of come together as a big church family and kind of do something together. Because we have unique expressions in the city. Each congregation is different. <clears throat> the needs of every city is different. So we have the space to do that. But there's these moments where we believe that all of us can get on board with this. And we're entering into one of those seasons. And for us, that season is a season of, of scripture engagement. That's a really big deal for, for us as a church. We want to be known for, for having great services, dynamic worship, and, and, and wonderful messages. All those things are going to always be a part of who we are. But more than anything, if there's something that I feel that could, could make me feel good as a pastor of this church is knowing that at the end of the day, I didn't, I didn't lead you to, to show up every Sunday. I led you to engage the Word of God. That I, that I led you to a place where you realize that the Word of God is the thing that can change your life. Uh, a recent study came out, and, and it said that people that read the Bible four times a week or more see substantial change in our life. Think about that. Four times or more, if you read the Bible four times or more per week, you're, you're filled with more hope, you're filled with more joy, you just ultimately are just an overall better person. But four was the critical point. If it's anything less than four, you see marginal improvement. My, my hope is that we can be a church that not engages the Word of God just on Sundays when you're here but we can create a space and give you resources that you can engage the Word of God every single day. And that is what that video we just saw was really all about. Our whole story Bible reading plan is, is very simple, but I, I've learned a lesson over these past few years for myself. I, I used to think that, that reading the Bible was, um, was something that you accomplished, it was a goal, so how much scripture can I read per day? But, but as I've matured in my faith, I, I find that I read a lot less. I read a lot less, but I learn a lot more. I can sometimes find myself reading a single passage of scripture for upwards of a week and just allowing it to, to flesh itself out and really give me practical application and revelation of what God is doing. And our hope is with this Bible reading plan, it's not aggressive where you're reading 18 chapters a day. So if you miss a day, you might as well just chalk it up and try next year. It's, it's literally less than one chapter a day. But we don't say that in the sense of minimizing the value of it, but we truly believe that if you can just read eight verses, 10 verses, and really allow yourself to process through it that has the ability to transform your life. My hope and prayer is that if you don't already have a Bible reading plan, do this one with us. As a church, as a family, we're all going to be doing this. Some of our messages are going to come from this. A lot of our content will spin from this, and we would love for all of us to, to all be connected all together and really be on this journey together. In addition to that, man, as Pastor Justin has just said, we're, we're entering into a season of, of prayer and fasting. We're going to be starting it up on, on Friday. 
And it's, 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 it's a life-changing thing. I'm not sure if you've ever have, have participated in a fast before. And let me just give you a, a brief summary of what it is. A fast is not trying to convince God to do something. That's what we call a spiritual hunger strike. That's not what a fast is. A fast is not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hungry so that God can do something in my life. Honestly, what fasting really is for us is allowing us to disengage from some things that could potentially be a, a distraction, just getting out of our normal rhythm and creating space for us to hear more clearly from God. Every single year when I enter into a season of prayer and fasting, which is typically around this time of the year, I do it several times through the course of the year, but collectively at this time, it's, it's not that I necessarily saw anything new. It's that I had more clarity on what God was already doing. And it's been life-changing for me. So we as a church, we're going to be doing that along with all of our other locations. I believe that we can build some, some spiritual momentum if we all can do it together. So my, my prayer for you is that you'll consider doing it with us. Maybe you're wondering, like, exactly how do you fast? What does that include? It's, it's really simple. I think, you know, we'll, we'll have tips on our, on our social media every day on just some things that you can do. It's, it's family-friendly. You can, you can find ways to engage your children, allow them to be a part of it. I'm going to be doing what we call a, a Daniel fast, which is just kind of like getting away from sugars and, and, and some carbs and things like that because God knows I can get away from some sugars and some carbs. So I'm going to make some adjustments in that way, um, just, just kind of disconnecting. But more than what am I not doing, it's what am I doing instead of. And for me, that's a time for me to focus more so on God. I may disconnect from listening to secular music or certain TV shows that, that, hey, in and of itself, we realize that there's not a lot of power, but it does have some influences. So when I disconnect from some things like that, it just allows me to recognize God a little bit more. I believe that this can absolutely be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. I truly believe that. And I believe that times like this puts us in a position where we can prioritize God Make him, make him the, the main thing for this season, and I believe that everything else will fall into place. Our church was founded on Matthew 6.33, which simply says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means his ways and all of these things. That means everything else will begin to fall into place. When order is restored, blessing is released. That is my prayer for us as a church. That's my prayer for you as an individual and for your family, that you can really dial in with us in this season and be expecting of what we believe that God can do. Amen? Amen. Let's give it up for God for that. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to jump into today's message. I know I just shared some, some um, updates and some announcements. So stay, stay plugged in with our social media, and, and, and I think that you'll, you'll be tracking with us pretty good. But I, I want to read to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 5. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a good passage to, to start off a new season, a new decade in. I, I want you to, to look to your left and to your right real quick. I just want you to kind of like look at people and and, and, and then congratulate them and tell them, like, you've made it. You've attended church every single Sunday in 2020. Way to start off the new decade. Just keep it up. Just, just keep it up. Just keep it up. I, I really do. Like, I, I realize that, that for some of us, we're, we're, we, we know we're, we're prioritizing. We're putting some things into place, and I'm glad that, that this is um, where you're going to be. As you're, as you're turning there, I do have one more thing I want to share with you guys, and then I promise you I'll stop with the uh, announcement. I kind of feel like I'm a used car salesman. But wait, there's more. Okay, wait a minute. But... But while we're entering into our season of prayer and fasting, some of you um, have even talked to me about, like, what are ways and methods in which, in which I study the Bible? Well, I, I want to invite you guys out to our equip night. We'll, we'll be having that in, in mid-January. It'll be held at our church offices, so my hope is that you, can, that you can register so that we can make enough space and, and accommodate everyone. But that's where we're going to spend some time, and I'm going to be unpacking um, my approach to the Bible. Uh, we'll have some conversations with many other people because what I realize is that, is that I don't have it all figured out. I've, I've been walking with God for, for two decades, but maybe there's some things that you can contribute. So our hope is in this setting, I'll share some things with you, but and also collectively in our community, we can share some things that are working for all of us. So it's going to be a great space for us to kind of get together. So our equip night, that'll be taking place in mid-January. I want to invite you out. I'll be personally sharing it, and I hope that as many of you as possible um, will be with us. Amen? Amen. Okay, so now let's jump into what the Word of God says here at John chapter 5, starting at, at verse number 1. Here's what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these laid a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And a man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he had knew already that he had been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in a pool when the water is stirred. And, and while I'm going down, another steps before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed 
and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. There's, there's a lot that I believe that God is showing us in this passage. I think there's a lot of encouragement. And, and, and as I was praying and, and thinking over the past month about what, what, what would God say to his people at Celebration Orlando as we go into this new season, as we go into this decade, I, I believe that, that this is the word that he's really laid on my heart. What I recognize is that in this room, we have people that, have, that maybe feel stagnated, that there's areas where you just don't have any motion. My belief is that, that God is going to give us some encouragement that allows us to, to push and get motion in areas where maybe we feel stagnant. But I also am aware that some of us in this room right now, we may have some momentum, but we don't have any direction. See, when we don't have motion, that's frustration. But when we have momentum without direction, that can be reckless. But I believe that God will speak to all of us in this community to give us some encouragement where we can give some motion in areas where we're standing still and some, some direction in areas where maybe we have some momentum so that we can arrive at the destination that God has for us. If you're taking notes, and I, and I encourage that you write this down, my, my message title today is simply this, the time is now. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this amazing church, God, and the privilege that, you, that you've given me my family, our team to, to serve here, God, in this incredible city amongst your people. Lord, I, I just pray for the next few moments, God, that I decrease and that you increase, Lord. So I, I pray for, for open eyes that we can see you, God. Lord, I, I pray for open ears that we can hear your truth, God, and I, I pray for open hearts that we can receive everything that you have for us today. We pray and declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. No, as I, as, I, as I think about where we are right now, it, it, it's not missed upon me that, that a lot of us have, a lot of us may have some goals. Just, just for a, a quick show of hands so I can kind of get a sense of where we are. How many people have like New Year's resolution? You got some goals, some things that you want to accomplish going into to 2020? Okay. We got some people that want to be successful, some people that don't. It's cool. No big deal. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Honest, here, here's something, here's something that, I've, that I've learned. Because a lot of times it can be, you can, you can get, it can feel like it's a little bit of pressure. Like, because you get some folks who are very, very goal-driven and like, hey, what's your goals for the year? And it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Here, here's what I've done for myself. I have some big picture goals, and I typically will break it down into like one of five categories. Faith, family, finance, freedom, and fitness. I call it the five Fs. And my five Fs are the areas where I typically am like, okay, God, what do you want to do in my life with my faith? What do you want to do in my life with my family? What are some things that I need to get freed up from? What are some areas that I, that I need to get my finances in order and then fitness? Because God knows we all have those goals on our, on our trajectory. So I typically look at it that way. But here's what I typically do in my season of prayer and fasting. I have the big idea of what I want to do, but it's honestly not until I pray and fast where I get a lot of clarity about what I need to do. So if you don't have any goals laid out just yet, don't feel like you're behind the, the eight ball. Don't feel like you're missing it. Use this time of prayer and fasting to actually get some clarity about what those goals can be, and that way you can enter into the year with God's plan and not with your own. Amen? Amen. So, so what we know is that we do enter into this season, and we do have anticipation. We do have some excitement. We do have some ideas about what we want to do. And so if, if, if we look at these things, and we'll gauge a lot of times what the 2019 look like, we'll, we'll gauge the season that we're in, and then we'll often use that to kind of set the tone for, for what we want to do. So we have these goals. But then those goals at some point have to turn into some level of a strategy. Because we know like a, a goal without a strategy is just, is just a dream. But when you begin to put some strategy into it, now it becomes something that you can build systems and rhythms around. A, a friend of mine had shared with me just, just yesterday that you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. Like your systems are the things that create accountability for you. Those are the, those are the systems that you have. A goal will give you a desired outcome, but, but the system is a collection of habits that will help you to get there. See, daily discipline will get you results that last longer than a day, but it requires, it requires some rhythm. You've got to have some consistency. So for many of us, we'll, we'll have these ideas, these dreams, these things that we want to do, but according to data, 80% of them won't be successful. Happy New Year. That's, that's a lot. Even with all the resources, with all the things that we have at our disposal that should make it easier for us to accomplish our goals, we have apps, we have reminders, we have accountability partners, we have all these things, but the needle on actually accomplishing our goals hasn't changed 
80% will not be successful. So for me, I, I had to ask myself why, because I, I, I like to reverse engineer things. I like to look at the end result and kind of reverse engineer how do we get there and what are some, some, some potential pitfalls that we can avoid. And, and when I was doing some research, here's a couple of the things that I've seen are the main reason why we fall short on accomplishing some of our goals. I want you to, I want you to write these down. Number one, complacency. Complacency. We just become very complacent. Now, that's whether we're successful or there's areas where we want to see increased success. So, so let, me, let me put it to you this way. Complacency is this, not allowing your big to become small again. Become complacent. Because, I mean, some of us know, like, when we have something that's small that we're trying to develop, we put so much energy and work into it. But then there's times when it gets to a certain level where it becomes big. But when it becomes big, we become complacent. We don't need to we don't need to really work harder. Yeah, we got some goals, but I don't have to do it. So complacency is not allowing your current success to become small again. That's something I'm going to be teaching our staff. So if our staff is in the room, take notes, get ready for tomorrow's teaching. Allow your big to become small again. How do we allow what we have to become small again so it can motivate us to have that same hunger that we had when it was small? Complacency. Here, here's the second thing. Unwillingness. Just, just a general unwillingness. We... We, we, we want to see end results, but we're not willing to change ourselves in order to get there. Unwillingness. Uh, unwillingness to, to change. Unwillingness to learn. It's kind of like, I want the end results, but I don't want to do anything to actually get there. You know, that's kind of what they define as insanity, doing the same thing, but expecting different results. Just, I'm unwilling to change, but I do still expect different results. Unwillingness. Here's, here's a third thing. Pride. Sometimes our pride or our ego won't allow us to step into a, a new opportunity because we are so devout and so faithful to what we used to do that we've attached our identity to it. So to move from that is to actually move away from our perceived success. So our pride and our ego sometimes doesn't allow us to move forward. We, we've attached ourselves so much to what was in the past that we can't adequately move into the future. But, but here's the fourth one that I think that we're going to spend the rest of our time on, and that is time. Time no matter what article I read, no matter what journal I looked into, time was the one that showed up every single time I read it. And, and, and this is what, here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we underestimate how much time it will take in order for us to accomplish that goal. So, so we, we have a goal, we have a vision, but then we, we know how it is. You start working on it and you start working on it, but when we don't get the progress that we want, we underestimated the amount of time, we get frustrated and we disconnect. Some of us can, can identify with that, so sometimes we just underestimate the amount of time that it's going to take, or we keep putting it off. I'm going to start next week. I, I can't tell you how many diets I'm going to start next week. I'm, I'm going to start next week, like not this Monday, but, but next Monday. Then it was like, well, no, wait a minute, the fast is coming up, so I'll start, I'll start after the fast. Like, you just find ways to keep extending it. We just keep delaying the time. It's one of those things, so that's, that's what we call procrastination. And the truth is, I think that all of us at some point can probably pick moments where we've delayed things that we know that we need to do. I, I know I'm not alone. They say confession is good for the soul, so I'm here to confess to you guys. There are areas of my life where I occasionally will procrastinate. I don't believe I'm alone, but I'm going to go ahead and confess that. Watch, watch this. I, I decided a couple years ago to go back to school, so check this out. So I am literally entering my last semester of school. I graduate in April. Thank you, Jesus. My final semester starts tomorrow, and I still haven't bought my books yet. You just, you just delay it. Just, just put it off to the end. I'll, I'll get it. I'll download the book electronically. I'll pay $20 more. No big deal. That's kind of what happens. We, we just kind of put it off. Now, some of y'all are laughing and judging me, but you still got your Christmas lights up right now, procrastinating. You know you should have took them down. We know the rules. We put it up typically around Thanksgiving. You take it down on January 2nd. My Christmas lights are still up as well. But what I'm saying is we, we have those areas of our lives where... We just, we just kind of, we put it off to the side. We just don't feel like, we just don't feel like doing this right now. I don't, I don't know why I do it to myself. Like, I don't know why in, in my household, like, I, there's certain things I just don't get ahead of. God, I, I, don't, I don't know why. Like, one of those things, true story, is when it comes to toilet tissue and soap. I don't know why we don't have an abundance of it stocked up. And you don't know any crisis until you're not sure if you have enough toilet tissue. I'll just leave it at that. 
But there's these things that we know that we have to do, but sometimes we can, we can procrastinate and, and we put it off and, and we just don't, we don't think that it's time. Some of you are still in school and, and you're procrastinating on getting your, your homework done. We, we all know those moments where we just kind of, we put things off. For my family, it's the first time ever that we're all on the same page in regards to like getting in shape, all four of us. Because, you know, sometimes in your household, it can be difficult where if one group of people are trying to change their diet, another group of people aren't, sometimes trying to get on the same page. I don't have the grace or the margin or the patience in my life to make different meals for everybody. So we all just end up kind of being in the same spot. But for the first time ever, all four of us are all on the same page with getting into shape. Now, my daughter, she's, she's more of the one who likes to operate with a schedule. So even during our, our, our Christmas break, she's like, okay, we're, we're going to the gym. We all agree to that, but it's, it's, it's Christmas break, and, and I, I would love to just sleep in and not have to hit the alarm. Like, I just, that's, that's what I want, but my daughter, she's very methodical. Like, no, we're going to the gym at 6 a.m. I'm like, no, but we don't have to. Like, we'll go to the gym eventually. Like, we don't got to go at 6, but I kid you not, every morning during the break at 6 a.m., I could hear her feet walking from her room to my, to my bedroom. I could, I could hear it, and I would literally pray, like, God, I, I pray that... I, Please don't, don't, I hope she's not, I could just hear her getting closer. Lord, let her trip. Like, God, <laughs> God, any, anything, please don't let her come in. And I hear my door open. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I can not confirm nor deny there have been times that she's walked over to me and said, it's time to go to the gym, and I act like I was asleep. Like, I, I can't confirm nor deny it. Because, you know, all I'm thinking to myself is I just, I just want more time. We're going to go, but do we have to go at this time? And we all understand that, those moments where we just want a little bit more time. But what I find so fascinating about Scripture is that when Jesus was going around doing miracles, he actually wasn't looking to do them. He was minding his own business, going into different towns, and then the miracle-making God would intersect with someone who had a need, and he would heal them in a moment. Imagine if the thing that you are planning to do in a distant future, God wants to do it right now, would you recognize it? If God were to show up in your life right now, would you recognize that he wants to do something now instead of saying that I have to have a distant strategy that completely removes God from the equation? See, what I, what I love about this passage of Scripture is that it really does deal a great deal with time. There's a lot of variables that I think that we can look at. So let me give us some background and some context. The, the first thing is that I, wanna, I want us to understand where this miracle takes place. It, it takes place in Jerusalem. Now, so many of us, we, we recognize that Jerusalem is a big deal in Scripture. We can see all throughout the course of the Bible just the significance of it. Jerusalem is the place that, that Jesus did ministry. Jerusalem is the place that, that he died at. Jerusalem is the place that he was resurrected at. Jerusalem is the place that he is going to return to. So, so Jerusalem is often referred to as the spiritual capital of the entire world. This is the environment that Jesus chose to select to do his ministry. Now, this backdrop is significant because there's a, there's a lot of variables that are there. There's a lot of traditions that are there. So in this particular region, while, while Jesus is walking through, there's these two pools. And there was like this tradition that said that if you get into the pool first when the waters kind of get stirred up, then the first person in would get their healing. Now, not only did the Jews believe this, but even some pagan beliefs had this. So it was almost like a shrine. So you have this collection of people that are all laid out just waiting for that lucky moment when they can get their miracle, that lucky moment where they can get their breakthrough, that, that lucky thing. And so for them, that was their strategy. I'm going to position myself right by this pool, and I'm going to wait to see when I see a little bit of ripples in the water, and if I can get into it first, then I'm the first one to get healed. What, what an odd tradition. What an, what an odd superstition that is to believe that if I can strategically place myself in an environment, and if I just so happen to be the first one in, that is going to be the thing that allows me to accomplish my goals. But if I'm honest with myself, there are many things that may not resonate with me being in a pool, but it certainly does have some weird strategies that I've convinced myself, if I can just do these things, then I can get my breakthrough. If I can just do these things, then I can get my miracle. But I'm here to encourage us, church, that your traditions and your strategy isn't the thing that heals you, Jesus is. And we have to recognize those moments when Jesus steps into the picture. So we're in this environment in Jerusalem where there's all these people that are laid out, they're sick, and they're just waiting for their prime opportunity. But then in addition to that, this miracle takes place on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is a really, really big deal in the Jewish context, but even for us personally. Sabbath was simply this. God installed the Sabbath so that people, his people, would know how to rest and allow him to do the work. That's a big deal. When the children of Israel were first set free 
from being in Egypt, the very first thing that God taught them is how to rest in him. In other words, how to enjoy Sabbath. Because they had the mentality of slaves. They didn't have any days off. So the first thing that he needed to teach them is how to rest and allow him to do the work. That's powerful when you think about it. And in a world where we have so many things at our disposal, at our fingertips, so many different ways that we can stay connected and engaged, disconnecting and enjoying Sabbath is something that is critically difficult for us nowadays. Just learning how to let go. Yes, I know I got a lot of responsibilities. Yes, I know I got a lot of things to do. But I got to learn to let go. Even when God was doing creation, the Bible says that it's good. That doesn't mean that he couldn't have made it better. But even God said, that's good enough for right now. Why do we feel like we have to have everything perfect if even God didn't do that with creation? We're inheriting unnecessary pressure. So for the guardians of the law, they would look at these things and say, okay, so on the Sabbath, we're not supposed to do anything. This is a really big deal. In other words, the Sabbath was, you can move, but only in the ways that we've determined you can move, God. So when Jesus shows up and starts doing miracles on the Sabbath... He is literally offending all the people who have determined the way in which God moves. That sounds ridiculous, but if I can, if I can be transparent, there have been times in my life where I've kind of defined the terms in which God can move. God, this is when you can move. This is how you can move. This is the ideal moment you can move. I put God in the box, and I'm inviting him to move in the way that I want him to move. Every time Jesus fought, the most tension in his life is when he did a miracle outside of the boundaries of somebody else's expectations. He showed up when they didn't expect him to show up. He did something when they said that he shouldn't have done something, and that was literally the reason he was crucified. We're fine with the miracles, but you've got to do them the way that we define and say that you have to do them. That's what the Sabbath is really all about. We'll get more on that in just a moment. The next thing we find in this narrative is that we see that there's this man, and he is 38. He's been an invalid for 38 years. 30, 38 years, paralyzed, an invalid for 38 years. Now, they're all under the Roman Empire at this point. So the lifespan for the person who was under the Roman rule was typically about 35. So think about this for a moment. This man has been paralyzed for an entire lifetime. Now, for the Jews, they lived a little bit longer because they had ceremonial cleansing laws and things like that. But it still wasn't the same as what we have now. So even if the perception is that the average lifespan for a Jewish person was about 50 years, he's been paralyzed for 38 of them. That means that he has been paralyzed longer than he has been free. And what I can imagine in moments like that is that at some point it just becomes your normal. Have you, have you ever been in a condition or in a season for, for so long that it just becomes your normal? That this is, just, this is just the way that it is. This is how it's always going to be. Like, this is, this is my reality. Unfortunately, when we find ourselves in those spots, we actually stop believing for anything more because we've accepted with what is less. This, this man has been paralyzed for, 30, for 38 years, an entire lifetime. And sometimes we can become numb to the solution when we've become content with the problem. We can begin to develop rhythms that allow us to function with our dysfunctions, can't we? We can, we can learn how to, to operate with our limitations. We can, we can get to a point where we can, yeah, I can, I can make this work. So in 38 years, the man had to learn how to, he had to learn how to, to move around, even though he was paralyzed from the waist down. He had to learn how to operate. He had to learn how to, how to beg for money. He had to learn how to function within his dysfunction. It's interesting how quickly we can adapt to darkness, isn't it? You know, I, I love going to the movies with my family, and typically when we go, I, I like going early. I'm a, I'm a matinee person. But, but here's the thing about matinees. You go, you enjoy the film, everything is good, but then you walk out and you forget that it's light outside. You ever have like that, that reality moment when the bright light hits you because you've been in the dark for so long? And now the light actually becomes uncomfortable. It's, it's interesting how comfortable we can get with the dark to the point that our deliverance becomes more scary than our bondage. I've been so used to being like this, I don't know anything beyond this now. I've been, I've been so used to being broken and struggling, I, I can't see myself beyond this now. Like, this is just my normal. Church, my, my question for us as we go into this new decade, what has become normal for you? Has, has anger become normal? Has, has unforgiveness just become your normal? Has bitterness become your normal? What are those things in your life that, that God doesn't intend for us to have, but we just, we've learned to function with it so long that it just becomes our normal? You see, Jesus shows up, 
And what I find in Scripture is that Jesus never shows up to perpetuate our normal, but he comes to break our dysfunction. When Jesus shows up into this man's world, it's, it's not to continue to perpetuate where he's been, but he's trying to give him a new rhythm by which he is supposed to move. And so Jesus asks him the question. He says, do you want to be made well? Now, now let me back up and give you some context of what led up to that question. Because when we look at the scripture, what it says is that Jesus looked at him and could tell that he had been there for a long time. Then he asked him, do you want to be made well? See, whenever... God asks you a question, I assure you he's not looking for information. He's trying to lead us to a revelation. He's not looking to gain any knowledge. He's trying to actually lead us on a journey. He looks at the man, and it says that he could tell that he'd been there for a long time. What were some of those indicators? Maybe the man was comfortable. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was laying on his mat. He had his little cup so he can beg for money. He may have had, like, his AirPods in. He might have had, like, his own room. Like, he got real comfortable with being able to function within his dysfunction. He, he might have even had like a prepared speech that he could offer to the out-of-towners every time they came through to, to tell them why they needed to give him money. Like this guy probably gotten very comfortable where he was. And so Jesus looks at him and says, man, like you've been here for a long time. You, you've, been, you've been doing the same thing and you haven't gotten results in a long time and you're still here. Do you, do you really want to be made better? Or have you just gotten comfortable with where you are? I wonder if Jesus were to pose that question to some areas of our lives, what our response would be. Like, I, I, see, that you're, I see that you're doing certain things, but it looks as if you're, you're just repeating the same cycles over and over again. Do you, do you actually want to be made well? I, I know that you, you want to find that, that significant other. I know you want to find that spouse, but you're still dating the same wrong people. Do you actually want to move forward in your life? I'm talking to somebody right now. I see that you want to talk about, you want to get your finances in order, but you still haven't trusted me with your finances. Are you sure you want to be financially blessed? Are, are you sure that you really want to be made well? Because if you did, your behavior would match your ambitions. Do you, do you want to be made well? The man, he, he, provided, a, he provided a response. And, and if we really break down a response, it's a, it's a logical response. It's, it's a response that, that honestly makes perfect sense. He says, well, Jesus, since you asked, um, I, I, do, I do in fact want to be made well, sir. But, but here, here's, some, here's some obstacles that I'm running into, Jesus. Um, everybody around me, I have no one to help me get into the pool. Imagine that. We're all sick. We're all, we're all dealing with something. But when we feel that moment comes, the people around me, they let me down. It's their fault. And, and, and also, Jesus, um, since you're asking, um, I, I do try. I climb and I do my best to get there in my own strength. But someone always gets there before me. So I'm doing the best that I can, Jesus. It's kind of like what he's, that's kind of like my, that's kind of like my Cliff Notes version. Lord, I'm doing the best that I can. But somebody always beats me to it and I don't have enough strength to do it on my own. It's, it's, it's so interesting that this man couldn't recognize who was posing the question, that, that, he, that he couldn't discern and see that, that his healer is standing right in front of him, but he wanted to focus on the past. He, he, he couldn't see past the pain. He couldn't see past the problems. See, I, I believe there's moments when Jesus shows up in our lives to do a new thing, but we're still processing things with old logic. I, I, have, I have this little ritual that I do with my family. Every time we move into a new home, I buy a new vacuum cleaner. I know it sounds weird, but like it's like a big thing in our house. Like whenever we move into a new house, like it's I probably put more thought and consideration into which vacuum we buy than even I do for some of the furniture. Like my wife, we all are looking at it. We're processing through it. What are the benefits of it? And you may be saying like, Keith, so why do you get a new one? Here's the crazy thing. Here's my superstition. I just refuse to bring old dirt into a new season. As trivial as that is, I wonder if we could enter into 2020 saying, I'm not bringing this dirt with me into a new season. I'm leaving that exactly where it was. I'm ready to God to do a new thing in my life. You see, what we find is that, is that this man, he, he really did have faith. He put too much faith in his friends. No one around me is going to help me out. He put faith even in himself. I can't, I can't do it in my own strength. His response was powerful, but he had this thing where he was focusing on the past. We, we, can't, we can't be so obsessed with the past that we, we can't figure out what God is trying to do in front of us. See, we can cheat on the future because we have an unhealthy loyalty to the past. 
man, like I know that God has something better for me, but let me, let me process through everything that I went through. This man wanted to rehearse all the obstacles and burdens that he faced. We have to get past the past if we are ever going to have a promising future. The quickest way to keep from moving forward is to focus on the past. That's the quickest way to keep you stagnated. See, I, I love what it says here in Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen to me, church. I believe that's a word for us right now, that Jesus is standing in front of us right now, and he's posing the question, do you want to move forward? Do you want to be made well? Well, yes, Lord, I have a strategy, and I can get it in six months. What if God wanted to do that thing right now in your life? Are you willing to allow God to interrupt your normal so that you can step into the destiny that he has for you? I believe that your breakthrough is now. The time is now. See, your healer is standing in front of you, but you got to want it now. Your breakthrough was right in front of you, but you got to want it now. Don't put it off. Don't say, God, I'll, I'll come back when I'm ready, but allow God to move right now. See, I've, I've learned, a, I learned a thing that, that, whenever, that whenever God interrupts our regular flow, it very rarely does he send an advance notice. I remember 20 years ago when, when my life was interrupted by Jesus. See, I had anticipated when I was going to get saved. For me, even when I was a young boy, I was like, okay, like, I get it. I was raised in a Christian household. I understand what it all takes. So in my mind, I was like, okay, so cool. I'll get saved when I'm like 45. I'll, I'll get some things out of my system. I'll run the streets. I'll do things my way. And then around 45, around 45, that's a good age. That's a good salvation age, right? Like around 45, I'll be sitting in a service just like right this. I'll probably be sitting in the back row. And then like I'll have that altar call moment and I'll stand up, that single tear running down my cheek. And I'll walk like, yes, Lord, take me now, Jesus. Like that's that is how I envision my salvation story. I didn't, I didn't anticipate getting radically saved at 19. I wanted to get saved at 45. I wanted to get some things out of my system. But Jesus came into the picture. Jesus interrupted my plans. Jesus interrupted my flow. And I knew I had a choice to make. I could procrastinate and put it off. Lord, come back later. Or I could make some adjustments in my life and allow me to follow the momentum of grace. When we look at this passage, I believe that there's three things that that speak to us that I think can be encouragement for us. I want you to write these down. Here's the first one I want you to write down. Get up from where you are. Just, just get up from where you are. Now, now let, me, let me give us some, some understanding so we can, we can really grab a hold of the nuances that's taken place. Like, you've heard me share stories when I broke my ankle and the long process of me learning how to walk again. My wife, she, she broke her toe in Zimbabwe and the long process of her learning how to walk again. So even to this day, if when I wake up in the morning, I have to like be patient on when I walk just because like uh, of the surgery that I had. And then like my ankle warms up and I'm fine. We, we get all that. But the Bible says that this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years was able to just jump on his feet. That, that, who's his physical therapist? Like, <laughs> how is that even possible? I, if I sleep too, like, you know how it is. If you sit down too long, you get up, your legs are like, oh. Like, imagine that for 38 years, and this man can just jump up like it's nothing. But when we look at the word that Jesus uses when he says get up, it's the same word that is connected to resurrection. It is the same word that is connected to elevation. So literally, when you look at the word, it's a verb that has power attached to it, which means this, that the power was connected to the command. So Jesus, when he said get up, it wasn't just instructions to get up, but he was giving him the power to get up. He was giving him the healing to get up. Many of us have heard Jesus tell us it is time for us to get up. And we're saying to ourselves, but Lord, I haven't stood in so long. But if we only could recognize the power is connected to the command, all you got to do is respond to it and begin to get up from where you are. It's available to us right now. The power is connected to the command. Instead of being at a standstill, we just got to stand on God's word. Get up from where you are. Get up from where you are. What are the places that you're in right now that maybe you've been paralyzed and lack mobility and you're trying to devise a strategy on how to move forward? Get up from where you are. The power for you to get up is connected to the word of God. It's in the command. This man was given the instructions to get up, and it says that immediately he sprung to his feet. That The next thing that Jesus tells him to do is our encouragement for us is to pick up from where you left off. Just, just pick up from where you left off. He tells a man to take up his mat. Just pick it up. Now, this mat was connected to his story. I, I don't know how frequently he changed his mat out. So I, I, won't, I won't go to infer, but what I could tell you is when you, when you study the historical context, 
that these men would have these mats, and they would sleep on them for years. It's kind of how they moved around. Everything was there. So this is like his little, like his little tent. His mat, he would lay on it. He would beg for money. There would be crumbs all over it. Like, it was just, it was messy. You can imagine it's just dirty after years of usage. So in, in my mind, when Jesus comes into the picture, the first thing I'm going to do is distance myself from that thing. Man, I'm free now. I'm not carrying that dirty mat anymore. But the thing is, that mat is how people identified him. That mat is how people knew him. In other words, that mat was a part of his story, or better yet, that mat was his testimony. What are the things that maybe God has helped you to get up from, but you're distancing yourself from the very thing that God wants you to use to help other people to experience the goodness of God? But the scripture tells us that he rolls up the mat and he begins to walk with it. My question for you is, are you bringing a mat with you into your workplace? Instead of distancing yourself from the things that you used to struggle with, but you're saying that this is what God has delivered me from. He was recognized by his man, and I believe that God has done some incredible things in our lives, and he's going to do some things in our lives, but he doesn't want you to distance yourself from the things that he's delivered you from. Use that map because it can give you access to people's hearts who may be walking around with their own mats right now. Just pick up. Pick up from where you left off at. Don't abandon the thing that God has delivered you from, but use it and allow it to be the thing that allows you to, to help other people to experience the goodness of God. What is your mat? What is the mat that God has delivered you from that he doesn't want you to be completely disconnected from? Maybe, maybe your mat is addiction, and now the best thing you can do is go back and help other people who are struggling with addiction. Whatever that mat is, pick up from where you left off at. Don't forsake the place that God has delivered you from. Here, here's the third and final thing. Go to the place that God is telling you to go. Because the man, he, he picks up the mat, and he begins to walk. He's walking around, and he's carrying his mat, and now he's beginning to get a lot of attention. Because people are one. They know that, man, that's, isn't that the guy who used to sit out front with the mat begging for money? Now he's carrying it. There was a little bit of recognition of what God had done in his life. But there was also some opposition. There were some people that didn't feel like he should be carrying the mat because it was done on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be. God doesn't move that way. That's not really God. We, you, you need to shut that down. <clears throat> What I, what I found more often than not in our, in our modern day era where we have Twitter fingers and everybody has an opinion about something, we love to critique somebody else's walk with God, don't we? We, we love to just comment on everybody else's journey. I, I haven't really shared this here, but I've often had people come to me like, hey man, what's your, what's your thoughts on Kanye? Why does it matter? Why do you care? Here's what I'm saying. We are so obsessed with sharing our thoughts that we're critiquing what God is doing in somebody else's life instead of looking in the mirror and focusing on our own. I, who am I to judge what somebody does with their mat and what God's leading them to do it? Who, who am I to, to critique what God is doing in someone else's life? Like, when can we be a generation that just celebrates the activity of God with no strings attached? It's not, it's not my place. You see, as this man was walking around with his mat, the Pharisees were saying, no, you, you shouldn't be carrying your mat that way. You, should, you shouldn't be doing that. But what I love is this. This man who had been paralyzed, who was an invalid for 38 years, his dysfunction and his brokenness actually would not have allowed him to go into the temple. There were special places for people like him. But what the scripture says is that when Jesus found him, he was sitting in the temple. I hope you caught that. That after he got his miracle, the first place that he wanted to go was to the house of God. I think sometimes we spend so much energy trying to find God when God is simply trying to find us in a place where you know that you can hear his voice the most clear. What if, what if you made this a priority going into 2020? I'm going to position myself in the environments where I know that God speaks. That's my commitment. Every opportunity that I can to be in an environment where I know that God speaks, that's going to be my priority. I'm going to go to church because I know that's where God speaks. I'm going to get connected to community because I know that's where God speaks. I love that the man didn't graduate beyond the temple. He didn't graduate beyond the environment that he knows that God speaks. And if I can be honest with you, that's the one area that I believe that we need to tighten our discipline in. Just being consistent in the environment that we know that God speaks. This man went to the house of God and Jesus spoke to him again. And I truly believe that that's God's instruction for some of us. Maybe this is your New Year's resolution to go to church on the, the first Sunday of the year and 
check that off your box. Here's my challenge to you. Come back next week. We do church every Sunday, same times. Come back next week. And you know what I can tell you? God will speak. Regardless of who's on this platform, God will speak. It will be your best year ever if it is your best year spiritually. I, I love how when we look at this passage, it's really hinged upon time. For the paralyzed man, he, he had been paralyzed for so long, he didn't recognize that now was the time. For the Pharisees, they were saying, no, there's another time for this. And what I suspect is that when we set our goals and we evaluate our lives, we, we wrestle with the same thing. I've been stuck like this for such a long time, I don't expect anything else. Or, God, I need you to move, but this is a time that I'm giving you permission to move in my life. It's got to be convenient. It's just not the right time. But, but what if we began to adjust to God's timing instead? You see, my, my wife, she went to Israel last year. I got to get used to saying that, last year. And, and when she went, she was like six hours ahead of us with our time. She was in a different time zone. So my wife and I, we have like this weird thing where we actually don't like being away from each other. It's kind of weird, right? Um, so I don't, I don't do well. Like I'm, I'm typically like a two-day max away from my wife. I don't, I don't want y'all to judge me. But after the second day, I'm kind of like, okay, this is over. I need, I need to get back to my, my rib. Um, so we're, we're, about, we're, about, we're about two days into it. But around the third or fourth day, it, you know, you're, you're trying to make it your normal. But I also knew that I had to make some adjustments with my schedule. Because she was six hours ahead, like, her schedule was slam-packed with going out to the different sites. So what it required from me is it required for me to be available when she called me instead of the other way around. So she would call me at like 7, 8 o'clock her time, but it's like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning my time. That's very inconvenient. But I also knew that might be the only moment that I could FaceTime and connect with her because our time zones were so different. So I took it as my responsibility to adjust my time to meet with her because I felt like it would be easier on my end instead of on her end. Just a, just a subtle adjustment. Let me orient my schedule to meet with her because she's on a different time zone. So simple. But what if we began to do that with God? I think a lot of times we're expecting God to move on our time zone. God, you want to speak to me, but yeah, I'm not going to get up any earlier for Devo. Um, God, I really, I really want to hear a word from you, but uh, I'm not going to probably go to church this Sunday. Lord, I really want you to bless my marriage, but uh, it's just not a good time for me to really do anything to make it better. Can you just do like that Zim Zim Salabim thing and make it better? No. When Jesus went about doing his miracles, he intersected people in their everyday regular life, and it was up to them to recognize their time of visitation. I truly believe that God is moving in his own time zone and our responsibility is to get on God's time, not expect him to get on ours. I believe that your breakthrough is now. I believe that your miracle is now. I believe that you can see the chains come off now. I believe that you can see the restoration of your marriage now. I believe that you can see the salvation of your family members now. I believe that you can begin to see advancement in your life now. I believe that your healing takes place now. I believe that God wants to do something in your life right now, but you've got to get on his time zone and not expect him to adapt to yours. Are you willing to do what you got to do to make sure that you're in God's time zone? Because I believe if you can recognize that now is the time, now is the time for me to be committed. Now is the time for me to be focused. Now is the time for me to be devoted. Now is the time for me to recognize that I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Today is the day. Now is the time. I'm not putting it off. I'm not going to make excuses that now is the time. Listen to me, church. Today is the day that you can change the rest of your life, but you got to do it now. When my daughter and I would have these debates about what time we're going to go to the gym, she would whisper and smile at me and say this, Dad, you can either make moves or you can make excuses. And I say, get out. Spiritual moment, guys, let's focus. You can either make moves or you can make excuses. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, speak to us. God, help us. If you're, if you're in here with us today, and, 
Maybe you have some goals for 2020, maybe you don't. But, but what you do know is that there's areas of your life that you, that you want to see God move. Would you be bold enough to just lift your hands up on the count of three so we can all pray together as a family? I just, I want to see God move in 2020. One, two, three, hands up. Literally hands up everywhere, mine included. God bless you, amen. You can go ahead and put those hands down. Here, here's, here's my second question. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. If you were to do inventory of your soul, you know that right now, Keith, I'm away from God. And I have some dreams and some visions, but I believe that God is interrupting my normal, but, but I, can't, I can't delay this anymore. So if you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, I can't think of a better time than 2020, a new year, a new season, a new decade than to prioritize God. I really believe that when order is restored, blessing is released. Everything will fall into place once we begin to put God in his rightful place. It doesn't happen overnight, but it will be your best year ever. If you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, now is the time. If that's you, would you be bold, be bold enough to lift your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Hands up. My God, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, amen, 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 amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate with those who are making the most important decision of their entire life? Come on, church, let's give it up a little bit more for that. Here's what I want us to do. I want us all to, to stand on our feet. We're going to go back into a time of, of worship just really quick, and Pastor Justin's going to come out and give us some, some final instructions, particularly for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time. So, so please don't leave yet. We want to seal this in, but before I leave, I want, to, I want to pray for us. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you've revealed to us that now is the time, that, that yes, we have strategies, and yes, we're going to be patient, but, God, we're going to recognize what you are doing in this moment, and we want it all now. So, Father, I pray for every marriage. I pray for miracles to be released, God. I pray for healing to be distributed, God. I pray for those who have just said yes to you, God, that you resource them and bless them. So, in the name of Jesus, we release everything that you have for this church right now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church, let's worship together. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Orlando or to get in touch with us, please visit celebrationorlando.org.